Hey, this is Reza. This is Sandy. Welcome to the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. Thanks for stopping by. Hello and welcome to the 185th episode of the Stone Cold Sober Podcast. I'd like to welcome you back, Sandy. It's good to be home. Yeah. So, uh, we didn't do a good job talking about what we're going to talk about beforehand. So, oh yeah, we should have done that, shouldn't we? <laughs> Maybe, but we could do it. We could do it live here. I will say though that you and Elena, very, very good episode last week. Thanks a lot. I appreciate that. Yeah, that was I'm that was a fun episode. I'm glad you liked it. Yeah. Did you uh, did you have fun doing it when you uh, when you guys were recording? Yeah, I think she had a lot of fun with it too. She doesn't like hearing back yeah. her voice, so gotta make sure i do the edits without her but i think okay. she had fun doing it you think she's gonna want to be on more episodes uh maybe yeah, i think it just depends on the topic i think that i think that that i can't remember if i mentioned this on the episode or if i was talking to lena's mom about it but that particular topic is just it, it's almost like a sense it's almost like some type of therapy in a sense where you're mm-hmm. taught you're talking about you're talking about stuff. You're talking about things like as much as we do speak to each other that you just would not normally talk about. So how you how do you find like how do you like to to be told uh, that you're loved or how do you like to be shown that and whether that is with an act of service or with words, you know, it's a uh, it's just a like a moment of learning for the both of us. Mm hmm. So yeah, yeah. But I know no, that, I know uh, that she's had fun with it in the past. It depends, like, would she be willing? Would she be like up for talking about, like, you know, doing like a movie reviews, like we've done before? I'm not sure. Right. No, it was a it was a really interesting episode to hear about from uh, like a third party, you yeah. know, view. Yeah. Um. So I sh- let's talk about uh, where I went and why I went okay. and. Uh, and all that stuff. How about that? Okay. So, last... Should we just start, like, macro and then work our way back? Sure, however you like. I don't... Yeah, I should have really thought about this before I did it. Um, so, my grandfather passed away. Uh, and I'm still... I'm still working through it. Um, I'm, I'm still learning... And figuring out how to like properly grieve through this, yeah. Uh, it all happened pretty fast. It, like it, ha- it was slow and it was fast at the same time. Uh, he hasn't been well for a number of years now. He's been bedridden and he has like a severe case of Alzheimer's, and so he he doesn't really recognize anyone anymore. That's what happened when we went to China last time. Um, the last trip last year, I think sometime like late October. Yeah. And that was a moment where we all got to be with him. And the idea was to sort of say, okay, you know, the next time we come, he probably won't be this well. And my dad was already in, my dad was already in China, uh, for, for, to see his family. And we got a, we got a text from my mom saying that she heard from her sister that, you know, grandpa's in the, in the ICU, they took him in, 
she's heading home immediately. She'll let us know if, and us being my sister and I, if we need to head home. So she's like, you know, getting ready in 24 hours and then she's about to head out. And then while she's in the air, my aunt texts me and my sister saying, listen, your grandfather's condition has worsened. You shouldn't wait until your mom gets here to figure out if you're coming or not. You guys should just come. Wow. So my, yeah, so my sister and I on, what was it, Tuesday, I think? Tuesday morning at around like, because I was already up. Uh, I was like, all right, let's just start looking for flights, last minute flights. And then we booked by like Tuesday lunch. And our flight was at like Wednesday at like 6 a.m. Um, so that's definitely the shortest duration between a booking yeah. and a and a takeoff uh, or departure time. Um, I'll sort of like go through, I guess, some emotions that I'm feeling, and also just like logistics of like how the trip went. Um, okay. What was interesting was I took a I, I was going to take a lift line to the airport because if I'm leaving at like 4:30, I figure there's not too many people that are going to be taking like a shared car service and so hopefully i'll get to the airport really quickly and for really cheap but then when i get into the car all of a sudden the the driver's like oh i gotta pick up somebody else it's like who do you need to pick up <laughs> at 4 30 in the morning and then it turns out that there was this other girl on like 115th street that was also going to the airport also going to new york and i was like you gotta be shitting me like why are we doing this and then, thankfully, she was taking Alaskan Air, and they're the same terminal, same, like, area. Okay. So it wasn't really an issue. But we didn't say anything at all. If you said it was, like, um, your sister who was picking up, I'm like, oh, that was, that's funny. Yeah, right? Um, my sister actually left about 10 minutes before I did, so she got to the airport before I did. Um, when we got to the... When I got to the security check line, there was a long line for standard, like, security. Which is always interesting, because you're thinking, like, a six o'clock flight like how many people are actually willing to do this and that's a lot of people yeah i always think that too but how often do you take that time i hate taking that time but many times that's the cheapest flight and it's like by far by like a huge margin which is why i think people do it it's like you could spend two hundred dollars for this flight or you could spend four hundred dollars for the flight that leaves a couple hours later it's like well the no-brainers i'm gonna wake up early i'm gonna be miserable but i'll wake up early because i'll save that money Mm-hmm. Yeah. When I was going through the TSA pre-check, there was a guy who was running the TSA pre-check section, and he basically had, like, this chant he was doing. Like, leave your belt on, leave your phone in, all this stuff. And, and like, sort of rhymed, too, so people were laughing. Um, and he kept saying it over and over again. He's like, this is the TSA pre-check line, the have it your way line, soon to be the McDonald's something something <laughs> line. And it was just like, you know, if you have liquids over th- like three mil or whatever, like you gotta, you gotta leave it behind. You know, it's a rule that we've had since like 2007. That's right. Almost 12 years ago. Like, um, it's a little sassy, but it was also funny. I think it sort of lightened the mood for people who were up at that, at that time. Yeah. Um, but my sister and I, we, we flew to Chicago on the way out and we ended up getting breakfast at like a macaroni grill or something. Cause all of the other places that we wanted to eat were like not sit down places. They're like sort of grab and go. 
and we were gonna get like this place, this uh, this tort, like Mexican torta place that like is on the top of every list. But when we got there, it just seemed really heavy for like an eight o'clock, eight thirty breakfast. Definitely. So we just went to Macaroni Grill, and they were still serving breakfast. So we just got like a couple of eggs, and we just sat there with coffee, and we talked for a little bit. It was nice because my sister and I just talked about you know our lives for a little bit. We sort of reconnected. Um, yeah. Then the the launch flight is from Chicago to Shanghai. Um, I saw a couple so, of saw a couple of movies. I saw Jumanji. Oh yeah, yeah. How'd you like Jumanji? It? Was it was funny enough to like not pass out on a plane? <laughs> um, I saw. It I think one of the movie pass. Okay, okay, that'd be worth it. Worth yeah. it for movie pass. Yeah, everything everything's um, worth it for movie pass. Yeah. Uh, what else did I see? I. Uh... God, you know. It's hard to remember, isn't it? They're so good that I I forgot them all. I watched like ten movies on my honeymoon trip, and I only really remember like four of them on the podcast. I didn't write them down. I didn't write them down either. I should have written them down. Yeah. Oh, I saw the movie Detroit, the Catherine Bigelow movie about the Detroit uh, riots. I didn't know that that was a movie. Yeah, um, I saw that movie. Uh, that was really intense. Uh, definitely recommend that movie. I don't think um, I've heard of it. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I saw the fifteen seventeen the Paris movie. Okay. Um, it's so bad. Uh, <laughs> not even worth a movie pass view. Wow, that's how bad it is. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyways, uh, basically forgot that I had brought melatonin, so I didn't really sleep on the way over. Um, landed. My dad picked us up, and he sort of apprised us of the situation that like we uh, were going to the hotel and then we're gonna see your grandpa till like tomorrow but he's not doing well he's sort of on life support the reason why he was brought in was because his blood pressure had dropped and he sort of has like uh the doctors are saying he's got like severe liver failure um yeah they decided because he's 83 years old not to not to operate um the the hospital decided that we decided. Oh, okay. The family decided. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, and it's uh, it's one of those things where you sort of like you're you're coming to uh the understanding and the acceptance of things, but. It's still sort of like a foreign concept until you see him, you know? Yeah. We, uh, we ended up getting dinner, and for the, r- the entire trip, we ate at one place, this one restaurant across the street from the uh, from the hospital. We did lunch and dinner there for a party of at least nine people every day. Uh, and funny enough, we didn't eat through their entire menu, <laughs> but we did banquet style. For every every meal, and it was good just to like be with family. Um, That's what I was but seeing say. Yeah. Yeah, times like this, just it's good to be with the family. Um, it's we actually stayed at a, this hotel that was also across the street from the uh, from the hospital, and they didn't allow foreigners to stay. Um, I think because it's wow. cheaper that way for them. Uh, I think because there's less regulation then. I think if you allow foreigners to stay, there's like you got to keep track of more passports, and there's like more rules that you got to follow. So wow. they had a they had a strict uh, no 
uh, no foreigners policy. And so we had to get snuck in, basically. Because obviously we're foreigners. Um, but my aunt was like, listen, they're like, because they knew, they sort of knew that my sister and I were not, like, nationals. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we need to see your, uh, your IDs. And my aunt goes, listen, I've booked five rooms. If you don't let these two stay, I'm refunding all five rooms for the next, like, week. So you decide what you want to do. And they're like, wow. Mm, all right. And then my, my aunt goes, listen, we're just trying to do business. Just strong arming right there, man. Damn. Yeah, but my aunt's like, if you want to do business, we can do business. If you don't want to do business, I'll take my business elsewhere. And they're like, uh, okay, well, well, we'll keep it. Yeah. Um. So we uh, what's it called? What we did was the next morning. Hold on, I gotta take care of something real quick. No problem. Uh, the uh. We get there in the morning, and it was more like the afternoon, I guess, because viewing time was at 3.30, so we're all there, and it's me, my sister, my mom, my dad, my aunt, my uncle, my grandmother, um, and then, what's it called, uh, her, uh, her brother, her younger brother, and his wife and you're only allowed two people in at a time to go see him when he's in the er there's like there's like a metal sliding door and there's sort of it's almost like a deli service where he will like call you in and you gotta let him know what like bed you're at yeah and so we go in and he's like all hooked up and that was a moment for me because uh it's like in the movies and in TV, you see people hooked up all the time. You're like, oh man, this is supposed to be something serious. And I guess up until that point, I'd never really seen too many people hooked up that intensely. And seeing my grandfather hooked up with like the EKG beeping, and you're like, oh my god, this is like this is real life now. It just seems like the stakes are so high. Um, but he seemed really peaceful and calm. And the doctor's like, he's in no pain. I don't know how you know that kind of stuff. Yeah, right. Um, I also don't know if that's something that you push on them, you know? Big yo, how do you know this? But uh, we got the pay our respects. And then that's when I think the family decided to like, all right, what we'll do is we're going to stop life support. So like anything that's machine supported, we're going to start to take off. And so our thought was, he's going to pass pretty quickly. At least it's how I thought in the movies, you know? Yeah. That, like, once you pull somebody off life support, it's like, a, in my mind, it was like a matter of minutes, if not hours. Right, because I always thought, I guess when I think of life support, I also think of, like, a respirator being part of it, and it's breathing for them. And if without it, then they are then they pass, which is why yeah. I would think it'd be a matter of minutes. Right. We, and we waited and he went the first day, okay, he was fine. Um, so we're like, all right, we'll come back tomorrow. Um, so yeah, the f- first day, I didn't I didn't cry, but I definitely felt like, you know, like that mm-hmm. when it like comes right into the bottom of your throat, yeah. like something's about to come, and you're like, oh, yeah, there it is, like, at any moment. Um, next day, we went a little bit earlier, because we didn't know like what was going to happen, so we were basically there all day. 
and the the family due to like some cool and i think what's interesting about this episode is we're gonna learn a, we uh, i'm gonna share a lot of like culture stuff around the this aspect of life that i had never experienced before and i thought was like incredibly fascinating from an outsider's point of view but also incredibly devastating as well um it's like one thing to go to and travel to another country and like experience like the everyday culture of like food and like you know how people behave and all that stuff and how they interact with each other but like when you're talking about something like this like this is not obviously something you'd want to go and experience but it's also like paramount and tantamount to like culture yeah it's like how how, how families behave with each other but then again like how does a family face death of a loved one? Like, everyone does it similarly and yet differently. Right? We, uh, we, so we're waiting in, like, the hallway, the ER hallway, and we've brought the clothes that he's gonna be, like, not buried in, but once he passes in the, uh, in the bed, mm-hmm. in the hospital bed, they clean him up and then they actually dress him. Uh, not in like hospital gowns. You can have him dressed in like his everyday clothing as they're transported to the morgue. Okay. Um, so we brought like a suit for him. We brought his hat. We bought shoes. We bought a scarf. We like brought like, you know, not rosary beads, but like, you know, the equivalent of rosary beads, let's put it that way, and some other things for him. We brought like these pillows for his head and his feet and just like watching my parents and my aunt and my grandmother like go through that and make sure everything's there that was the second time where i was like holy like that's where i definitely got misty-eyed and i go man that is like now we're talking about logistics of things that are like like there's no it's almost like there's no going back from this you know yeah like you're you're deciding what he's going to be sort of changed into once he passes and that was that was a tough moment but he didn't pass that second day the doctors say that he actually stabilized. Mm. And they're like, in all our years, we've never seen this before. Like, <laughs> this is definitely an outlier. And we're all just like, wait, did we approach this from the wrong, like, yeah. POV? But we're like, you know what? No, no, no. We're not going to, like, we're going to say the course. It's the residual, like, medication that was, was being pumped into him. Oh. I also realized, and we also realized as a family, that, like, just because you're taking off life support doesn't mean they turn off the oxygen going into your nose mm. and that also means they don't stop feeding you uh we didn't know that i i don't know what the rules are just what's stopping life support meant. i thought that meant what you meant what you had also thought right like the respirator gets turned off like every machine that you're hooked up to gets turned off yeah i'm realizing i have no idea That's... right like i have no idea either so we're like how is he like how do you get turned off life support and then you're still on for this long. And then we were doing research. Like, some people get get life support turned off, and they can be alive for months. And you're like, oh, so I guess you didn't need that much support then. And you're, you know, so it's like, it's a it's a weird thing to, to sort of realize and figure out. Um, but we went home, and we're like, all right, I guess we'll see what happens the next day. And then the third day we were like all right you know we'll spend most of our time in the hotel we'll go there in shifts and that's when we were finding out that like, all right he's he's rapidly deteriorating uh in mm. in his status and he's either not going to make it through the night or he's going to pass tomorrow and so we we're like okay so i sort of like 
knew not to take melatonin that night just to make sure that like you know my phone was charged it was right next to me we had sim cards changed out and we were ready to go and i got a call really early in the morning like all right the hospital called and this I'm, i remember very clearly my mom calling i go hello and she said the hospital called get dressed we'll see you over there i'm like okay i'll wake up my sister we'll see you over there and that's sort of like it sort of went unspoken you know so I woke up my sister. She got dressed really quickly. We ran over. And I remember walking in because they allowed us to walk in. And he had passed. And they were like unplugging him from everything. And I was like, I was like, this is it. And the nurses were like, hey, why don't you guys go outside for a second? We're going to clean him up. We'll make him presentable. And then you can come and see him. So the family was like sort of in a waiting room. And then here's the interesting thing as a side note and sort of to give you a little bit more context because I needed to get this context as well. You know how like on American news that they're always showing China, but they're always showing like the leader of China and the Chinese military. Mm-hmm. And it's like really scary, like how what Chinese people like seem like. Right. Yeah. Um, let me sh- let me tell you about another aspect of China, like the everyday China. This probably rings true with just about every other country that they show on TV, too, on the news. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there's definitely a narrative. You know what I mean? Yeah. Very much so. Uh, so, when I woke up a couple of times, it was super early, there would be a line waiting around the block to get into the hospital. And these are like like Chinese avenues are probably twice the the distance or length of like New York avenues. So you know how like streets are short but avenues are long. Yes. Yeah. Imagine like twice the length of an avenue, uh, for a Chinese avenue, and there was a line around the block to get into the hospital because the hospital hadn't opened yet in this district. Wow. And once the doors opened, you could see people like mad dash in like uh-huh. it was a black friday sale just to grab a number wow to get called by the doctor now you know how, like in america even if you have insurance or don't have insurance they'll still treat you it was like life-threatening yeah they'll just like bankrupt you on the back end yeah. like just hey we did our job you yeah. got to pay for you know these eighteen hundred dollar <laughs> box and tissues or whatever the chinese system is you either you have money or you don't and if you don't, I guess you're dying in the hallway. Like, that's how intense it is. There's this joke that this Chinese businessman landed in, like, this big city. And he goes to the cab driver. like, hey, I'm trying to blow some money. Take me to, like, the fanciest place in town where I can flex. And the cab driver drives him to the hospital. He goes, here, you can flex as hard as you want here. Good luck. Uh, oh, man. Um. So I'm just, I was just like, wow, like, can you imagine like waiting in line for the hospital to open? No, I Just can't. so that you could go and grab a number. And you better hope that like, you know, you're like one of 300 people that doctors got to see that day. And because of these conditions, a lot of doctors will accept money on the side for preferential treatment. I was about to say, that sounds like you can pay for the ability to be seen. Yeah, you do pay for the ability to be seen. And it's just like, you think you think your insurance is bad here. Imagine having insurance and still needing to do this. Like, here, here, Doc, here's a, 
here's a hundred note. Why don't you come and tell me what, like, actually, like, spend five minutes with me real quick? Yeah. So, the reason why I bring that up is because the, the people who, like, dressed my grandfather, we had paid them already, but then there was, like, a tip involved. And then the guys Jeez. would come over and, like, put him on, like, the gurney to wheel him to the morgue. You tip them as well. And it's like, what, what, where does, like, your job come in? And, like, where does, like, why do we need to tip you for doing your job? Yeah. I didn't know that this was a service thing. There's also no tipping in China when you go to restaurants, so that's a... So, wow, wait, wait, you don't tip at the restaurant, but you tip at the hospital. How did you even yeah. know that you, how do you even know that you tip at the hospital? Because we had a funeral director with us tell us what to do. <laughs> I'm not kidding. Sick. We called in a ton of favors wow. for, uh, for this uh, funeral director to come. He is a, he's a friend of... A friend of my uncle's, uh, who's like a big time director producer out there. He's okay. like the Simon Cowell of China. Actually, he's like a really big deal. Wow. Um, okay. Yeah, my sister has met like really famous TV and movie stars and not know who they are. And like people will freak out at her photos. Yeah. Yeah, she's like, I think I met the George Clooney of China, and I had like thrown up ten minutes before because I was sick. So I look like I look really angry in this photo, and then all the people I showed this photo to, like, oh my god, how did you meet this guy? he goes, who is this guy? Like, can you imagine, like, meeting the little Brad Pitt or, like, George Clooney? Like, yeah, well, how are you, man? Listen, I'm not feeling too well. Can we can we move this along? <laughs> um, so he called in a ton of favors to get the funeral director there. Uh, the sort of cultural expectation is to have a memorial service within three days. And how, because he had passed away two days before we were going to leave, we were like calling in a ton of favors because a lot of the really nice memorial homes and funeral homes were all booked up. And wow. China doesn't do like single memorial homes, uh, you know, or funeral homes. Uh, they do more of like funeral facilities. They're like multi-story. Each story has multiple halls. Uh, just because there's like obviously so much more people in China, right? Yeah. Um, I mean, there's more people in China, in Shanghai, than there are in, like, entire states of the U.S. Let's put it that way. There's yeah. 24 million people in Shanghai. Yeah, that's uh, nice. Yeah, that's like, it's like 80 electoral votes right there. Um, is that 80? <laughs> I don't know how many it is. In, probably like 50. But still. Um, I think it's like the state of California, maybe? I don't know. Whatever. Whatever. Um, so... Uh, as he's getting wheeled down in the gurney to the uh, to the morgue, uh, I'll also have you know that Chinese people are really superstitious. Um, so when we found out that he passed on June 26 at 8.15, the family's like, oh, wow, that's a really good number. That's really auspicious. Like, he passed away in the morning. That's also good. Sun rising. It's a good day. You know, God is... And they use God sort of like, not like the literal God, but, you know, huh. it's it, it's just a saying. Just a know? saying, yeah. Like, like you know, God's sort of taking him in. and Right, right. There's a lot, yeah, there's a lot of things that, like, with people, like, they're saying that the, the old two ages that are really tough are 73 and 84. Because it just turns out that there's a lot of senior citizens that die uh, or pass at those ages. Yeah. And the saying goes, it's, you know, God wasn't ready for you. But you showed up on his doorstep, hmm, uh, waiting to go in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and there's a thing about like, uh, I know I'm jumping around, but I'm sort of like remembering all the cultural things uh, yeah. that, I, that I find interesting. Yeah. Um, there's this like custom where like 
if somebody really old passes away, you don't get sad. You're really happy that they've lived a long life and that they don't have to like suffer anymore, that they can just move on and they say rest, right? Like you can finally rest. Mm-hmm. And what you would do is you, you know, you live in these buildings where everyone knows everybody and multiple generations of a family live in the same household. And so when an old person dies, you actually take the bowl that they eat out of. Everyone sort of has like a family bowl, um, like your literal everyday dinner bowl. Right. And you actually gather around it and you, you, you smash it on the ground so that everyone can take a piece of that bowl because it's meant that whatever you were eating helps you live a long life. So it's sort of like a good luck charm to take that with you. I see. Yeah, it's a little dark, but it's also like you can sort of understand the the dotted line logic there. Like, oh, well, if you eat out of this bowl and I have a piece of this bowl, I've got a good shot at like living as long as you did. Right. Um, so they're just saying like, oh, you know, he lived a really long life. It's time for him to rest. And they're saying that, you know, he had a really t- long life. He had a really tough life. He served in the Air Force in the Korean War. Um, and... Uh, it was just tough to, that uh, he had to go this way. But people were saying that, you know, he doesn't have to suffer anymore. My grandmother doesn't have to suffer anymore because my grandmother has basically been a full-time caretaker for him for the last two years. And it's really aged her. Yeah. Um, anyway, so we're, we're wheeling the gurney down. We actually leave the ER building. We walk over to the uh, to the morgue area. And then, you know, like in Bad Boys 2 where... Uh, He's hiding with a dead body, and like he has to like wheeled into like the uh, the fridge or whatever, mm-hmm. like your standard morgue fridge, right? Um, the uh, the number eight slot was open, and we we're like, oh, you gotta you gotta put him in the number eight slot. Eight's a lucky number. You gotta you gotta do that. And like, okay, well, you know, so I help lift with the doctor, my uh, my uncle, and then uh, you know my my grandmother's brother. We lifted him in. We slid him in. And then there's this thing, this is, there's this recurring theme or action where you have to bow three times in front of a body. So we got the whole family in there. We stood in front of the slot before they closed the door. And then you sort of like you bowed three times and then you throw change uh, at the door once they close it. Uh, and it's meant to like give him some money on the way on his way over. So he's got some money in his pocket, and then when you look at the when I looked at the ground around the uh, the doors, there's like a shit ton of change in like small bills. Yeah, I'm like, can you imagine trying to do that in America? Like, pe- like you just throw like nickels and dimes, and people are like, uh, what the fuck are you doing? Um, this so reminds me that. of of uh, like uh, mosques in Iran. They have like shrines. Yep. To old like imams to to you know just high religious peoples. Yeah. And they'll have like a tomb and you can, people will slide like many times it's like a wall, but the walls will have like little holes in them. So it's like a concrete wall, but little like squares along the whole, like a checkered type of thing. And people will slide money in like change or, 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 or uh, small bills in. And it kind of reminds me of that obviously on a smaller scale, but still. Yeah. Um, so, because he had passed away, and we were like, "All right, well, the two kids." Now, my sister and I are called kids. We are kids, <laughs> but you know, it's just because we're the youngest by twenty-eight years. So, it makes sense that we're called the kids. But they're like, you know, the kids are leaving in a day, or you know, the the, the following day. So we basically made arrangements really, really quickly to make sure that like the entire family could 
be at the memorial. And so we go to the memorial the next day. It's a really nice facility. There's like his picture up on the on the wall at the end of the hallway. There's like these uh, little banisters with uh, that are lined with flowers. And then you stand, and there's like all of these like flower arrangements that line the walls, and they've got like these streamers on them with your name, how you know him, or how you're related to him, and like a nice saying that like sort of sends them on to the afterlife. They wheel him in, and everyone just loses it. And it's really tough where everyone around you is like hysterically crying. And like, I just don't know how to grieve. Because I just felt like I was still like somewhat in control. But it's not like I wanted to like be afraid to cry because cathartically and selfishly, it would have been a great release. Because I feel like it's all been like pent up for so long. Yeah. But, uh, but we couldn't. And then, so there were two speeches that happened. First speech was his regiment leader. He's like regiment, like I think it was like regiment twenty fifty, with the Chinese Air Force, and a lot of old veterans came too, which was really nice to see. Um, people that he served with. Uh, it's tough to see old people cry, man. It's tough to see your parents cry. I think we talked about this, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, just briefly on Slack, yeah. Yeah, it's tough to see your parents cry. It's definitely tough to see, like senior citizens cry, and he. The guy gave a really good speech. He talked about like you know how he knew him, how he served with honors and distinction, how he was like the smartest dude in the unit, uh, all these life achievements that he had. And then my mom went up, and then my mom was hysterical while she was up there, and that was right. really tough. Right. Um, she spoke on behalf of the family. What she said was really nice and eloquent. Uh, she, my mom definitely has a way with the Chinese language. She was a Chinese language professor oh, um, really? in college before she came over here. I never knew that. Yeah, so she has a pretty masterful command of the Chinese language. <laughs> um, so after she says her piece and then you turn around and bow, there's all before these two speeches, there's a three minute moment of silence where everyone bows their heads. Yeah. And they play like some somber music. And then the first speech comes, and then the second speech comes, and then the you're standing in rows uh, in the hallway, like the closest family are in the front, and then, you know, sort of preceding out. And then, so we went around first, and we each had like a white rose or flower or whatever. And then you wish him farewell, and you put the flower along the flower arrangements on the banister. And then you stand and you're supposed to greet and accept everyone who comes after you. And that was really tough because everyone's crying and, you know, they're saying how they're going to miss some of that, you know, for this gets sent off. And yeah. Then what they do is they'll, they wheel the coffin out and he's fully dressed. He's dressed in like a suit and all that stuff. That's stuff that we had, you know, that we had for him. And then there's all these things that you're supposed to put in the coffin with him. Like, you're supposed to tear the flowers off of the flower arrangements that uh, line the room. And make sure you grab one from everybody. Sort of like the wishes of uh, the loved ones that you have in your life. And then you tear the petals off of the flower so that he's sitting in like a like a flower petal bed. Does that make sense? 
Like he's yeah, surrounded by so. flower petals. Yeah. And the petals are supposed to like represent the wishes of like the people that are that are there. You're also supposed to give him like all this fake money and like fake gold pieces and like all this other stuff that is supposed to go in there and uh and then when the uh and then everyone's sort of like saying like really loudly like you know oh like you know go on godspeed and you know all, all of the things that you say yeah and then the coffin cover comes over and then the i remember very very clearly the funeral director goes all right we're about to cover him you can't go back so if you ever whatever you want to say you gotta say now because it's like incredibly incredibly like bad luck to like put a coffin cover on and off again wow okay take it off so like once it's on it's on yeah so everyone's like shouting really loudly to make sure they were heard the men of the family are supposed to nail the coffin down so my uncle took a nail my dad took a nail and i took two nails and i was so nervous i was so nervous dude i didn't know what i was doing and so i was like trying to nail it i was trying to uh, hit the nail uh the nail with the hammer and the first hit I did was really light. And they're like, no, 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 you got you to hit it harder. So I hit it really hard the second time. I was like, all right, well, not that hard. And I was like, <laughs> like I'm doing the best yeah, I can. Are you guys messing with me? <laughs> yeah. And then I was about to do it like, again the second one for the last nail. But like, no, 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 you can't, you can't uh, nail it too hard. We got to, you know, he, everyone in China gets cremated. So we got to open this up later. Like, oh, my fault. So it was like, three, uh, you tap the nail. Yeah, you tap the nail just three times. Uh-huh. Uh, and you're like, okay, so like, you know, the funeral director sort of held my hand and gently tapped it three times because, you know, just, just, to, you just do it just for the, the sake of like, for the meaning of it. You're not, you're not actually like nailing it. Some of um, you real mad when they have to open that one up. Yeah. And only the family is allowed to wheel him out of the room into the back. Um, so we, we accompanied the coffin out of the room. And then once it gets wheeled around the corner, it's like there's like freight elevator, we, our family actually has to get down on their knees and bow three more times. And that's how you send, send them off. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a big banquet lunch afterward. Uh, we had three tables of people. And uh, we actually had like an up and coming, like my uncle invited this guy that he knew that he works with. He's like an up and coming, not a comic, but like Chinese comedy is sort of like uh, hmm. dong in like song form. It's like, you know, Bo Burnham. How, like, a lot of his uh, yeah. act has, like, songs. Like, Chinese comedy is sort of done in, like, really sing-songy. And so we, he brought this group with him who, like, is the son of the same group that my grandmother was in when she was young. Like, my grandmother was uh, pretty famous when she was a kid, uh, like, performing live. Uh, and so this was, like, the next, like, like two generations down, if you will, uh, paying respects on behalf of the uh the people that my grandmother had performed with who are just too old to travel um and it turns out that they're pretty famous in china so that's like the thing like you look around you're like this guy is famous but like it has no effect on me because i just don't have any context as to how famous you are right it's different culture right it's like if you had like lunch like if jerry seinfeld showed up to a lunch for like your like a like a memorial service of your family part of you is like well i don't give a shit that he's here but also just like why are you famous yeah you know I mean? like there's yeah. so many conflicting thoughts there it's like it's kind of cool when you look back on it um we took a lot of photos with them but like we're just like yeah in the event that he's like super famous one day you know right um 
our lunch had like 30 dishes. It was incredible. Um, that's a good thing about Chinese cuisine. The like banquet style is. Uh, and now you love dishes. it. Yeah, man. Um, but yeah, that's sort of uh, that's sort of it as a whole. He gets cremated within about a week, uh, and then we we picked out the box that will house his ashes. And then there are in, so in Shanghainese culture, not even Chinese culture, in Shanghainese culture, there are two days out of the year that you can go to a cemetery and like not bury ashes, but like just buy a little plot, you know? Yeah. One's in April and one's in December. And so I think the family's figuring out like what date they want to do it. Obviously, December is the closer date, but April is the one you're aiming for because it's like the beginning of spring and it's sort of like auspicious to like, you know, get buried in the beginning of spring. So TBD on the next time I'm going to go to China, but the latest will be April of next year because that's definitely something I don't want to miss. I want to be there for that. Yeah, my grandmother cannot leave the home for twenty one days as like a period of mourning. But thankfully, there's going to be like some family that'll be staying with her the entire time, so she's not alone. And then they will take her to Xi'an, where like a lot of her siblings are uh, that were too old to travel. Because it's like obviously it all happened way last minute. It's like, really hard to like get people to yeah. fly cross country. Yeah, um, I mean even you going out there. That was, was a yeah. lot. Yeah. So short notices you mentioned. Yeah, I mean we were really fortunate that our family was able to mobile. I keep saying it like we were very fam- very fortunate that our family could mobilize as quickly as we we did to get out there. Like that's the, the miracle of modern technology. You get a text message. Yeah. And then you can. I, I was like looking for flights on my phone within like thirty seconds, and like basically found the flight that we took. It was expensive, but like, thankfully, my sister and I are fortunate enough to, yeah, be able to cover something like that and not have that be the barrier as to why we couldn't be there. Right. Yeah. Um, so that's really the story. Um logistics and all i know i wanted to say it because i know you and i were sort of debating like whether or not to say it or to talk about this yeah i want to leave it up to you completely yeah, um, yeah. part of me was like stuff like this is really private and there's no reason to like bring other people in but a part of me is like there will be no other time in my life where the memories are this clear and fresh and it might be good just to have it rather than wanting to have it later and not being able to like recall it yeah so um a couple of all right so you want to move on to some lighter lighter hearted things uh yeah that's fine just real quick just want to offer my condolences to you and your family i mean For i sure. know i've ta- told you in private but but still um yeah it's a lot appreciate you sharing this with uh with uh with me and the listeners yeah. i think i think um Things like some of us are fortunate enough that we don't have to at least. So I'm saying for me, at least I don't I haven't had to deal with a death of of, of a of a someone who's close to me, you know, like super close to me. I've had I've had deaths in the family, obviously, but people that I didn't spend a whole lot of time with. So they they haven't affected me as significantly as I, I as I know some some will uh, when they come. Um, 
So just kind of he- hearing your perspective and how you've dealt with it. And I think like there is no right way to grieve. You know, people deal with, with, with it, uh, however they need to, however it, however it comes to them naturally. And so hopefully I'll be, I'll be prepared for it when it comes. I don't, I don't think anyone ever really will be. I don't think I ever could be, but still. Right. But yeah, it's something that they, uh, my family said they've been planning for this for 10 years. Yeah. Uh, but there's, it's sort of like the best laid plans sort of fail at the moment of first contact with the enemy. And it's like the second something really happens, it's like mm-hmm. all that planning sort of like, is this, is it still there? Does, does it still make sense? It's almost like having a conversation in your head about with someone, but it just takes a turn immediately from the very beginning. Like you can sit there and plan and plan and plan and you get asked something that you did not plan for and the whole conversation takes a different turn than you thought it would. Yeah. Like, exactly. Um, on some lighter, harder things. Right, uh, right. Some, some, some more interesting aspects of the Chinese culture that I got to hear while I was out there. Um, so there's currently a shortage of women in China. Mm-hmm. There's saying there's like there's seven brothers and there's only six sisters. Um, I don't know. Let's let's not get hung up on the terminology there. Yeah. But uh, yeah. <laughs> There's just a lot more men than women right now. So women sort of have the pick of the litter, right? Mm-hmm. And from what we found out was that a lot of parents, like a lot of, when you get married, traditionally, the idea was you moved into the family house of your of your husband. Right. Um, and I, can, I guess I can only speak for heterosexual uh, couples because homosexuality is still something that like, there's no pride really in China quite yet. Like, it's mm-hmm. definitely on the up and up, but China's definitely not as progressive socially about that kind of stuff yet. Um, we'll get there one day, hopefully. Hopefully sooner than later. Yeah. So, everything I'm talking about is just heterosexual uh, couples. And so, you would move into the family house of your husband, but because of how Chinese culture works, houses hold multi- multiple generations. Your grandfather... I mean, your grandparents, your parents, and you, and maybe your grandkids, uh, or you rather your kids. So there's a, they're really busy houses, right? Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's not really attractive to young people nowadays to want to live in a house with all those other people because you know there's really no privacy, right? And so you'd want your own place, which is, you know a fair thing to ask for when you're this young. Um, Definitely. Unfortunately, real estate prices are so crazy in china right now really oh yeah i guess in this i can imagine this certainly those cities 30 20 28 million people yeah the real estate markets of a lot of chinese cities far outweigh or outclass those of new york and san francisco (laughs) in terms of how fast these prices are growing per square meter that's how they charge uh that's how you basically think about like a place like this how much Mm -hmm. are you charging per square meter yeah and a lot of them's like over a thousand dollars per square meter. Wow! Think about that for a second. Oh, wow! <laughs> yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, and I think a lot of prices of homes have increased by ten x in the last ten years. That's crazy too. Yeah. So women are saying that like when they're looking for a prospective partner, they obviously want them to have a good job. 
They also want them to have a place for them so that after they get married, there's like a sense of stability. Like, all right, we have a place to go to. Cars are nice and all that stuff. And it's just, it's interesting to like what the minimum is from a cultural dating standpoint, depending on where you are. It's not like here, here you can date people and it doesn't have to be like, oh, you have to be living on your own. Or, like, even, like, you have to have your own house. Like, a lot of people are like, yeah, we're dating. I'm renting an apartment. But that's sort of good enough. Like, you have your own place. But in China, it's more of, like, no, 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 no. Do you own a house? Or like, do you own your own apartment yet? Because if you don't, I'm not going to message you. Mm. Like, it's just, I guess when there's millions more uh, men and you're a woman, you do get a chance to sort of sit the bar as high as you want because there's millions of people out there. Someone, I mean, the... You can be as demanding as you'd like to be. You know, it's uh, it's just tough that that's the uh, a lot of that is the uh, excuse me the norm or the yeah. the going rate. Like, can you imagine like meetings? Like, if you heard the same thing out here, like I'm not gonna date a guy or a girl unless they have a nice car, a nice job, and a house. You're like, it sounds like oh. everything a comedian would say. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's- it sounds it sounds like something that you you would you could experience I think in America, however, maybe not to that degree. Right. Right. So. Um. So that was an interesting thing I heard, and then my everyone was just telling me that like I got to get married soon, uh, and I've got a cousin who's my age as well, who's all, and they're like really afraid of her single status right now. Uh, well, she's not single. She's dating somebody, but it's like they don't know if it's gonna work out or not. Uh, and uh, there's this really funny saying. It's really sexist. It's really sexist, but it's funny because it rhymes. In Chinese, it rhymes. I'm gonna tell you what it's. I'm gonna say it because uh, I, I. The second I heard it, I told everyone to repeat that to me twice so I could remember it, so I could share it with you guys. Yeah. Uh, it's 四十女人一朵花三十女人都不花 uh, and it's like when I second I heard that I go wait a second say that one more time because I think I got like 85% of the meaning but then once they finally told me I was like alright I got you so the first line of this saying is 四十女人一朵花 is a 40 year old man is still a bouquet of roses you know, second line is "三十女人都不花." A thirty-year-old woman is like vegetable weeds, mm. and the idea there is a forty-year-old man is still attractive on the market. A forty-year-old man can be divorced, can have kids, can like have all this shit, but if he's single and he's somewhat attractive. A 40-year-old man can still get scooped up. However, if you're a 30-year-old woman, you're already, like, you're in the discard pile. Jesus. Yeah. Chinese culture, let me tell you something. Uh, Chinese culture is still very traditional. the reverse almost, too. That's the funny thing. Considering, like what you said, there's a shortage of women. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's like, sort of like, how do you, how do both of those ideas exist in the same market? Yeah. Like, on the same level. Yeah. I think it's, like, uh, one of it's, like, the more modern sort of thing of, like, all right, well, th- these are the numbers. Take it or leave it. And on the other side, it's more of the traditional way of looking at things, which is, well, like, there's only so many 
like the traditional sense is you got to get married in your young 20s so that you can have kids like the idea is you got to have kids so that you know your kids take care of you one day and yada 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 there's like generational like leftover thoughts that are still very prevalent because of like how chinese culture is sort of created and maintained like this reverence of older generations and what older generations say goes and all that stuff and it's still a male-dominated society like there's it's just it's still very very traditional but on the other hand it's like well there's millions more men than women so i guess women are going to have to call the shots soon in terms of who they want to be with right so it was it was, that was an interesting thing to say to hear um yeah there's a lot of that a lot of like hey you know knowing that like they're saying that like my aunt and uncle were saying because they're very progressive people they're young they live like they live an incredibly comfortable life in China. Might was saying some fun stuff. She goes, "Your uncle's job as a man is to make money for the family. My job as a woman is to know how to spend money for the family." And I go, "I go now. Wait a second. What does that actually mean?" She goes, "Well, listen. No one's discounting how hard a man's got to work to make a living for the family." Right. I, go, I go, "Right." She goes, "But it's also you want a woman." Who knows how to spend money that like makes your family comfortable and like brings about a lifestyle that you want and so not every woman knows how to do this she's like any woman can blow money on dumb stuff it takes a real woman to know what you want and to buy things and to maintain a house that is like up to the standards of your lifestyle they don't have kids either um, and they own their house outright, and so there's very little debt that they have, and it's just all money coming in. So like I was telling you that like all week my uncles wear like Balenciaga and Balmain and like really 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 nice things. That just sort of you know that rock star life that you always had. I just find that to be really interesting as well. And then my yeah. uncle was like, "Listen," he goes he goes to me he goes, "You got a date?" I go, "Yeah." He goes, "You got a date? You can't just." You can't just uh, shack up with the first one you find. <laughs> and I go, why is that? He goes, let me let me ask you this: Would you buy shoes without trying them on? I go, would you buy a shirt without trying it on? Goes, That's what dating is. You just gotta figure out if you're comfortable in it or not. I was like, you know, I've never heard of dating being equated to buying clothes, yeah. but I appreciate I appreciate the idea. Um, I think it's just funny because we, my sister and I, are seeing each people right now. We were telling them about them, and they're just like trying to give us like dating advice. Yeah, and it's just really fun to hear dating advice from people that like you don't get to talk to all the time. Um, yeah. that like in your family, and depending on different generations, like hearing your grandmother give you dating advice, or like your grandmother's brother's wife giving you dating advice, and like when your aunt and uncle giving you dating advice, it's like the advice is so different based on the generation. Yeah. Yeah, so it was fun. It was good to be with family. Uh, I mean, obviously, it would have been great to go to China for a different reason, but being surrounded by family for that long and you know still being able to laugh and you know reminisce about the the warm memories and the funny memories and like you know bad memories that become funny jokes with right. distance. Uh, it was good. It was good to be there for that. And uh, the good news is Ch- going to China now isn't really that expensive comparatively. Uh, 
you can go to China for as low as like four hundred bucks. So, food for thought. Yeah. If you ever want to go, I've told you I do. I yeah. just I I need I need about a month because fuck like I got to do a lot. Yeah, two weeks is good enough. Got to do a big. Yeah, two weeks is good enough. You got to <laughs> go to Philly to go to the embassy though. There's a big Chinese embassy in Philadelphia to get your visa. Oh wow! And I think you might be able to get a ten-year visa, uh, or maybe just a one-year. Uh, I think ten years are only available for families that have Chinese nationals in them. Because a coworker of mine also has a ten-year visa, uh, but he married a Chinese woman. And I was like, "How the?" I literally asked, him, "Like, how the, how the hell did you get a ten-year visa?" Because I know how I got a ten-year visa. I was born in China. That's how I got mine. Yeah. How did you get yours? He goes, "I guess my wife, because like my wife's in my family now. I can get it." I go, "Oh, so we're just giving them away now, huh?" <laughs> oh. That's really all I have for today. Alright. Well, yeah. yeah, again, like I said, I appreciate you sharing that. Of course. Of course, man. Yeah. It's good to be home. It really is. Yeah. Yeah. The jet lag hasn't really kicked in quite yet. I've been able to stay up to like past 1030, like even like one o'clock every day. So I'm just waiting for the day that like, and I'm a little under the weather. I think with all the traveling and all the stress and all that stuff, like obviously my body got hit with something. Uh, so I'm a little stuffed up right now, but hopefully I'll be able to uh, get back in it again. Yeah. Because marathon training has got to start. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's the first week of July. Marathons, marathon training must start today. I was about to say, take today off with that with this heat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know there's a triathlon going on right now in, in New York? That's That sounds terrible. There's an Olympic triathlon going, right out, going on right outside my door right now. Yeah, that sounds awful. Heat index of 111. Be safe out there. <laughs> Alright. Alright, man. Cool. Let's get out of here. Alright. Well, I'm Reza. I'm Sandy. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys next week.